2: I'm Sarah Holder.
1: I'm Salaya Mosin.
2: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack
0: Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So oh, I'm pretty excited about having James Lindsay on. We've had him on a number of times going way, way back. But he's become kind of a legend in the world of Twitter. And if you don't follow James Lindsay on Twitter, you're making a mistake. Author, mathematician. I'm going to let him introduce himself. James Lindsay, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Hey, great to be here. Introducing myself, though, is a tall order. I'm always a bit awkward with that.
0: But so, before you became, like, nationally famous, you were just a math professor?
2: I had, 10 years ago. I actually left the university in 2010 because they were shifting to a model to retain students at all costs, and I just couldn't teach. I didn't see the ideological implications of that at the time. I couldn't teach under those conditions. So I was a math professor until 2010, and then I was actually a massage therapist in the years in between, of all things.
0: And your politics in general are very liberal.
2: They have been. Um, I'm a bit uh, a bit scared of that side of the aisle right now, so they're not so much right now.
0: Yeah, I would call you just because I follow your Twitter feed pretty regularly. A classical liberal, as opposed to what like a, a lot of modern, you know, younger liberal thought is, and we'll get into yeah. more of that in just a little bit. Um, but now you've become famous for a whole bunch of things um, when you and uh, and and a couple other people got together and wrote some bogus papers that you, you submitted to various publications and they got accepted you became famous for that the uh Mm -hmm. what what was the what was the name of
2: that that got called the Grievance Studies Affair on the back end of that because we decided to call all of those things, like whether it's critical race theory, which all everybody's heard of now, or gender studies or fat studies, which is a thing, unbelievably, or disability studies. They always end in some kind of a studies, cultural right. studies. Right. We just said that what these, these fields are doing are stoking grievances. They're trying to, you know, Dredge up or picket scabs or whatever, dredge up hurts, picket scabs, make people feel aggrieved against the system, against society, and they study grievance in that regard. So we called all of this stuff as a catch-all term, grievance studies. And so that got called the Grievance Studies Affair, and we wrote 20 fake papers over the course of a year. These things, that's like an entire academic's career, usually. Um, seven of them were accepted. We still had seven more under review in the Wall Street Journal uh, told on us. So yeah, <laughs> and it was they, quite and successful,
0: they, and the amazing thing was, and we've talked about this a lot, and man, if you, you Google this if you've never heard it because you guys went so over the top, it was like just just so incredibly over the top yet a number of them still got accepted as legitimate academic work,
2: not even that they've been coming true since um yeah, we had some really crazy over the top ones we had one about uh whether you can watch. People react to the way that dogs misbehave in dog parks, particularly sexually with one another. And then you can divine something about rape culture from watching that. And then (laughs) we just trained men the way that we trained dogs. Then we could probably combat rape culture There's a very feminist approach. And that that paper not only was accepted and published, but it was given an award for excellence in scholarship. Um, We rewrote a, a chapter of Hitler's Mein Kampf, and that was accepted by a social work journal. Uh, in terms of intersectional feminism, we had a number of other kind of hilarious papers. We had one that we argued that the sport of competitive bodybuilding, uh, professional bodybuilding is fat phobic because it sees building muscle as fundamentally different than building fat. So we need to have a category (laughs) called fat bodybuilding (laughs) that was accepted.
0: Oh my God. That's hilarious.
2: (laughs) <laughs> we had another one. And one other paper, though, we wrote it was that you can't use satire to make fun of social justice. And this has been borne out now. The Literally, Robin DiAngelo, who wrote White Fragility previously and now has her new book, Nice Racism or whatever it's called. She literally just did an interview and she should have cited us. She made the same argument almost I mean, uncannily similar argument citing the same kinds of television shows we brought up, et cetera, as we made in one of our fake papers, which was also accepted. Um, and it hit on the Babylon Bee, which is, you know, a satire site on the Internet. It's really funny. They got told that, you know, their their form of satire against social justice is, you know, Punching down or punching, I don't know, punching something, and so they got told. I mean, the papers we wrote are coming true. Like the people are actually arguing the things that we wrote in in satire, and, and it's it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up your the the, the grievance studies affair, as it is now called, and and that was with Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose, um, is I came across this article the other day that I thought you would think was funny if you haven't seen this yet. This is for real, a uh, local university. Uh, my wife went to this university, UC Davis. Cultural biases impact native fish. Study calls for end to rough fish pejorative and the paradigm that created it.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> fish, is, fish names are racist now. That's right. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it gets down and it says the study maintains that the term rough fish is pejorative and degrading to native fish. This, that's not, that sounds like it's from the Babylon Bee, but it's an actual for real article.
2: No, that's exactly the kind of thing that we would have wrote too. We wanted to write a paper and we just ran out of time and didn't, didn't prioritize it about how putting things like onions or seasoning and cornbread gentrifies cornbread and takes it away from black people and (laughs) perpetuates the racial divide. We're going to call it the gentrification of cornbread and perpetuation of American racial Division or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's absurd. You know, it's in the, the fish are insulted now, and th- these people actually kind of think this way. They really do think that the you know these words, the way that we use words, structures reality. They they genuinely think that and these power dynamics that are going to oppress people. So calling them rough fish somehow is going to cause other I don't know people. I guess you would think it's not the fish to believe something ridiculous like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm just a rough person because I'm from another culture. That's probably what the argument runs like. It's just absurd. It's totally absurd.
0: You and uh, Helen Pluckrose uh, wrote the book, nonfiction book, Cynical Theories, which is very serious. And, um, you know, because we're having a lot of fun with this, but this is this is super duper serious in that. The country has gone crazy and a, and a big chunk of the country that for whatever reason gets a hell of a lot of attention has just gone nutso. And, um, and you're trying to bring it back into, uh, into the world of sanity. And you're now one of the, if not the leading pushback against critical race theory. Do you have a, like a shorthand version for what critical race theory is for people so they can understand it?
2: Yeah, I've been working on this for a long time. I finally boiled it down. Critical race theory is an almost religious belief that the fundamental uh, structure of society is racism that was created by white people to benefit white people. If you believe that religiously and believe that that has to be torn down you know, root and branch, then you're probably a critical race theorist. So if you believe that society was built on racism by white people for white people's benefit and that it's in literally everything you can imagine, you're probably a critical race theorist.
0: And I love you throwing in the the, the term religion, um and i know you're an atheist but uh the the way it has taken on this um because there there the, the it's got all the the the, the hallmarks of religion and that there are people that if you run afoul of it it's blasphemy and you need to be you know you need to lose your job you need to have your life ruined because you said something that went against the doctrine of critical uh, the, the critical race theory as they see it and it's just it's it's so weird i'm like i almost can't even the uh, particularly when i see these uh white people professors or college kids or whatever, um beating up on themselves and they they talk about I'm just I'm such a bad person and I need to take a longer look at the way that I'm ruining the world. You know, it's just it's it's like a mental illness to me.
2: It really is. In fact, it, the the religion thing isn't just like, oh, it's kind of like one or parallel. to It really is one. And people can't quite see it because they're like, well, what's the God of the religion? They can't like figure out how it works. But the God, it turns out, is history with a capital H, the exact same way that Marx looked at history. History has a trajectory. History has a purpose. The purpose for Marx for history was to get to communism, to get to the utopia where we no longer have classes. We no longer have a state that depresses anybody. Nobody is oppressed because we transcend classes and states and all of the things that cause oppression. And history is progressing along this pathway by means of revealing contradictions. So if you bring up the contradictions and do criticism on them, we move history along. And if you're doing that the right way, then you're on the right side of history. If you're doing it the wrong way, you're on the wrong side of history. So it's God is the trajectory of history that has a heaven-on-earth target at the end, and people who help that along – are people in the faith. They're good people. And the people who hinder that and try to so called maintain the status quo are bad people. And this is why you see their utter hatred of conservatives, utter hatred of, of, you know, any order, liberal order, societal order that's not theirs, um, their their vision. And people don't understand that their God is actually this weird belief that tracks all the way back to the early nineteenth century in Germany about how history might work.
0: So we're talking with James Lindsay. I am um, uh, looking at his Twitter feed, which is a fantastic follow. And underneath it, it says, uh, "Not New York Times best-selling author, math PhD, founder of New Discourses, apolitical, against totalitarianism and supremacy of all kinds, for freedom." And uh, you are definitely one of the the best thinkers, writers, and uh, speakers on this topic in, in that I've come across anywhere in America. Thank God. Um, what do you mean by not New York Times best-selling author?
2: Oh, so Cynical Theories was actually – it made it onto the Wall Street Journal's bestseller list. It made it onto the Publisher Weekly bestseller list. It made it onto a few different bestsellers' lists, but the New York Times didn't put it on theirs. And so we dug into this because we had, you know, the book scan or whatever, the, the sales numbers. And it turns out that we actually sold enough copies of Cynical Theories in the first week to where we should have been on the list. And in fact, we sold three times as many as the last two books on the list. But for some reason, they, they deemed that it didn't reflect the organic buying habits of Americans and therefore did not put it on the New York Times best selling list. So bestseller everywhere but the New York Times, which snubbed us for some reason, uh, and I guess that's their business.
0: Did not reflect the organic buying habits of Americans. Okay. Yeah. Whatever the hell that means. I, I
2: see. I see. It didn't pass your sniff test either. <laughs> yeah.
0: Whatever the hell that means. How how difficult is your life? I, I've wondered this a lot because I follow you regularly. Like I'm a fanboy of James Lindsay. I got to admit it. Um, how difficult has your life gotten taking all this on? I mean, how what's your what's your email feed? Your your hate mail. Your all that sort of stuff like.
2: You know, I get a little bit of hate mail. I don't get a tremendous amount. Uh, the difficulty is the volume of, you know, whether it's fan mail, it's mostly questions people are asking me mail, or can you help me with this mail? Mm-hmm. You know, I get so much requests for that. That's very difficult. The harder part, you know, if we got into the kind of psychological side of it, it's like I live in, you know, they say if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. I live in the abyss. <laughs> it's like I went into the abyss and sent letters. To the world. And so it's like, you know, I read the most negative, evil, poisonous stuff literally all day, try to make sense of it, try to understand it, and try to communicate it to other people. And that actually is pretty exhausting. Um, But everything else is great.
0: (laughs) You live in the abyss. Everything else is great. Can you explain the current clown controversy that's going on?
2: <laughs> around me um yeah. yeah so i i mean lots of people have been using the meme clown world to describe what's going on right and so this is everybody kind of gets it it's like these people are in some regard that are pushing these crazy ideas that don't attach to reality or somehow kind of clowns and then you know there's nicole hannah jones at the new york times she's got her big red hair and people have noticed that that looks kind of like clownish and so the other day i saw a picture of her She was all proud of herself it was on twitter so i took the picture and i just put a clown emoji period send tweet with a picture and people went berserk because I'm just, I call all of these people clowns. I call, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. It's not just that her hair or whatever. I call all these people clowns all the time. I refer to clown world all the time. And so she went berserk and said that I was attacking her appearance. Thousands of people went nuts and got angry at me for attacking a black woman's appearance, which, well, I mean, it's coincidental in my opinion because I call all these people clowns. So then they went berserk. And so then I came up with, a parody as I tend to do like the fake papers. And I started talking about critical clown theory and I just took <laughs> critical race theory, took out race, put in clown and just wrote their words with, you know, slight changes. And it just all fits to try to, you know, point out that, you know, I said that, the, um, Nicolana Jones had uh, clown fragility instead of white fragility. Her clownery was pointed <laughs> out and she re- reacted with a series of rhetorical maneuvers to try to, you know, lash out or whatever. I did just the, the kind of the whole thing and people loved it. Um, cause they get the satire, they get the party right. and the, the, again, the clown world thing sticks. You'll notice on my Twitter feed that I, if you follow me, that I put clown emojis on basically sure. all of this stuff, like Anthony Fauci clown. He's not a black woman
1: clown. <laughs> just
2: clowns all the way down because the stuff they're saying right. is not attached to reality. It's like a circus. It's, you know, it's all under the big top and, uh, it's just kind of a meme I'm playing with, and and people got really upset when I and, attached it to her. Have you heard anything from Twitter? Them themselves.
0: Do you have any concern that Twitter cancels you at some point? Because that is your uh, biggest uh, biggest you know megaphone you've got.
2: That's true. They they've shot across my bow twice. Once for something I. I think that they were wrong, but at least I know what I did and can kind of see their made-up reasons and clown world for it. Uh Once with no explanation whatsoever, so I got suspended for, you know, 12 or 24 hours or whatever. So they haven't taken any serious action against me. With that particular clown thing, I got a number of emails from Twitter saying we investigated you and we found no violation. And so, well, okay, Uh apparently you're still allowed to call public figures clowns on twitter
0: awesome Uh, we're talking with james Lindsay, and unfortunately we got we got to let him go i could talk to you absolutely all day long and the main reason i wanted to have you on is to push people to follow you on uh, twitter to read your books because you're you're the best voice out there i think on all this craziness and i really appreciate the effort that you put on on a regular basis
2: Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: James Lindsay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll link him uh, at our website, armstrongandgetty.com, and I'll, I tweet him out all the time.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by.
1: Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Elevation with Stephen
0: Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.